Enjoy the inspiration and the introspection on the River Rain Show. Hi there, I'm Catherine Allen. I'm your host, and I'm a clairvoyant medium, astrologer, and I'm the author of a book called A Little Bit of Intuition. On the River Rain Show, I like to help empower people. I like to help you go deeper. I like to help you think of things in a new way that might shift your paradigm. A lot of people feel that they're on a crossroads uh, when they come to spiritual things. And I like to help you by taking you a little bit into your truer feelings, trusting your gut about your situation, helping you with how to make healthy decisions when you're at these crossroads, all with the perspective or the lens of metaphysical and spiritual information that comes with it. So I play a wide variety of music from all different eras. I might play some um, TV show themes. I might read some poetry or some quotes, all meant to consolidate the theme and to empower you to trust yourself. When you trust yourself, your life will flow. The more you learn to trust yourself more intimately, the more your life will flow and the more the magic will happen. And that's what I genuinely want for everybody. So welcome to the River Rain Show. Got us around you, bring me home. If we 
Welcome to the River Rain Show. Tonight we are December already and uh, we're heading into what I find to be a very hopeful aspect and change in the vibe in the world and that is our conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter going into Aquarius December 17th. So what this means astrologically is that some people would say this is an indication of going into the age of Aquarius. Some people, astrologers, say we've already been in the age of Aquarius since 1962. And others still would tell you that, you know, we're not going to really feel that until Pluto joins it in Aquarius, 2025, 26-ish, and onwards. Others say, you know, it's, it's not till the next century. So, my take is that we will feel a shift there's still a little more uh there's still a few more years of pluto and capricorn working its way to sort of dismantle a lot of things in society uh, as we know it but we should feel definitely something shifting into what the next chapter might look like when we have those two planets conjunct in the next sign of aquarius so I might do a whole show actually just on this and what that actually means, the age of Aquarius. Like what range of things can that mean? People want to paint it out like the song. You know, this is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Um, you know, that there's some truth to it and there's also a bit of utopian feeling to that song too. So we'll do some a show to get into it a little more um, in a more balanced kind of way around the time of the aspect. So give it another, um, mm, yeah, well, maybe I'll do that show next week or the week after. Anyway, tonight, the show, I'm excited quite a bit about this show. It, I did a really great interview, one of the better ones, I'd say, that I've done, that I've had with somebody. Um, Tonight we're interviewing Carla Belil, and she uh, she's a client of mine, and she's come a couple of times over the years, um, maybe even seven years, seven or eight years ago, and um, I don't always remember readings that I give people that far, that long ago, but she reminded me that I had done a reading um, about her daughter. And that, you know, her daughter has psychic abilities as well, very intuitive. And so it's, it was, it's, you're going to hear, it's very interesting to, to hear the evolution of how it's been for her to raise a very intuitive or psychic child. Um, and then she's had another child since then, who also is just in a different way, you know, highly empathic. Her daughter has sort of different aspects of, of um, that gift, and her son has other aspects. And on top of that, she has homeschooled her kids. And I think you're going to really love 
to hear the interview and see just how much love and evolution Carla has put into raising her kids and homeschooling her kids. I've, I invited her to be on the show because there's a lot of parents over the years who have come to me who will tell me that their children are seeing spirits or are uh, seem to be channeling things or they're talking about colors or energies um, or they're attracted by gemstones at a really young age or, you know things we wouldn't usually associate right away um, with kids and at the same time when she told me about the homeschooling I thought that that was going to be a super helpful show to have um, and she has said she will be available on her Instagram, if you want to ask her uh, anything or reach out to her after the after the session, so I'm happy to have her um, on the show tonight. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to play you another song, and then we will head straight into the interview and. Um, Yes, my cat is on on my lap 24-7 these days as I'm trying to work. Sorry, but that's why I was distracted. So yeah, um, without further ado, here is our song of the week, and then we will hear our interview with Carla. There are so many parts that I have hidden and denied and lost. There are so many ways that I have cut off my nose despite my face. There are so
Today we have uh, an interesting guest and I think you might relate to her uh, experiences on multiple levels because she's dealing with highly sensitive and highly intuitive kids, but she's also homeschooled them. And uh, she's been out ahead of the curve on that, doing it for many years versus just during COVID. So I wanted to bring her on the show today for those two reasons and it might, they might not seem like they go together, but I think they do. Um, how do you handle homeschooling and how do you handle scheduling your life around kids who are, you know, just very intuitive and maybe not as structured, but we're going to find that out today from our guest. So today we have Carla Belil, and she is an herbalist, a business owner and a homeschooling mother and who continues to develop her own insight and tools to navigate everyday life with two highly sensitive children. So welcome, Carla. Hi, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. I think you can be of a lot of help to people right now. Yeah, that's what I'm I'm kind of hoping to give a little bit of insight on. And, I, and as I go along, I'm still continuing to learn myself. But uh, it's interesting that how things have rolled out, like with the pandemic, that I kind yeah. of started this pre so it was a little bit of an easier transition transition for me as uh, as we went into it so yeah however I can help yeah so maybe you can start just telling us a little bit more about your your professional background you said you're an herbalist and a business owner can you tell us a bit more what you do yes yeah, so um, my husband Danny and I we own an import export company um, so I work from home he's more home base but also on the road it allows more flexibility for my schedule sometimes some weeks are really hectic and some are just quieter so it, you know it's taught me to flow with whatever comes at the time and not try and be so rigid in my structure in my schedule um mm -hmm. the herbalism I studied herbalism I was always really drawn to pretty much everything natural so um, that was very natural and second nature for me. And uh, how I integrate that is I just integrate it into our everyday living and even the schooling with the children and how we experience exploring the outdoors and teaching them a little bit at a time. So it really becomes ingrained into them and who they are. 
-hmm. so that's that's a lot of our 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 so um, so maybe give us a little bit of the reality of your of your business life in terms like i just want to sort of paint a picture of how busy you are actually are before we head into how you manage to do this with kids so like how many hours a week do you and your husband both devote to your business and is it is it random is it a nine to five are you up all night you know what i mean like what, yeah. what's the reality of your business life yeah well for us because we're working together we're able to kind of you know sometimes if it's a little bit more demanding on you know the children's part then we can kind of uh hand over certain responsibilities and that eases up a little bit more on the home life so for me i would say i work a little bit more uh the paperwork aspect from home so sometimes there's stuff that has to be done right away and sometimes i can kind of work it around the children's schedule um, my husband he works more with the direct customers the clients and uh his is his end is more demanding on uh, the time so i would say that he has you know his days can go quite long mm -hmm. um uh, probably i'd say at least maybe a good 40 50 hours a week if not more some weeks yeah. um yeah. especially because it's our our own business and mm -hmm. then for me it, it could be where i need a real you know solid block of a good four hours in a day and then some days you know i may only need an hour or two so okay. I, we can we can play around with that but sometimes the you know the demand from the clients come in a lot stronger so it's almost like you know if if legal documents have to get signed then it has to be yeah. done right now and, and you know, since they, it's um, import and export, you're dealing with all kinds of people all over the world in different time zones, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's where it can get a bit tricky, you know, because yeah. uh, there's hours that are moving all around. And I'm thankful for my husband too, where he kind of picks up those <laughs> those after hours a little bit uh, more than I do. So I'll structure my hours more in the daytime. Whereas he will, you know, play around with the time zones a little bit more. Yeah. So it's, it's allowed us to create a balance within the home, but it's always, it's something that's forever evolving. It's never really, you know, once you yeah. think you, <laughs> things are set, <laughs> then you're like, okay, I got, a, I got a hold of this. And then something comes along and changes it. So it's really, yep. <laughs> you know, we've had to become really comfortable with flexibility. <laughs> Yes, I think that's one really good lesson of that this whole experience, right? Entrepreneur yeah. working from home. I mean, yeah, being it's it's a tough balance between structure and being flexible. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think the kids they also they pick up on, you know, any type of uh, stress. Uh, you know, it's only normal. Mm -hmm. You 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 experience stress within companies, whether you work for somebody or run your own business and the kids they pick up on that so it almost amplifies it because then just at the moment where you need them to just cut a little bit of slack they're actually doing the opposite because they're sensing the stress so they're actually heightening it on their demands on their end yeah. so that's where we've really had to um 
be, I guess, I think also too, very forgiving of yourself, you know, that mm-hmm. let go of the perfection a little bit. And sometimes you can say, you know, you need to pause the work. And sometimes you have no choice but to ask the children just to give you a moment or give you a bit of space, uh, however that's possible, depending on the age, just mm-hmm. so that you can complete your task, you know, so it's it's forever mm-hmm. the, the finding the balance. So how, how have you structured your home, like, physically like do you guys have separate space so that you can work in an office or is it sort of all free for all or how yeah you it's a it's a little <laughs> bit it's a little bit free for all you yeah. know so so that also intensifies the experience yeah. too and especially for you know some parents who weren't expecting to homeschool and now they are and they haven't set up their home for exactly. that experience it can really it can be demanding you know and we were in the, we're in the middle of renovations, so that also mm. too takes up a lot of space in the home. Um, I would say that, you know, we just kind of, we have to just take it as it is. And sometimes, you know, we may have to take a, an important call if the kids are, you know, amped up, that we have to take an important call in our bedroom or just move, yeah. you know, some- Sometimes if my husband, you know, there's a lot going on in the house, he has no choice but to hop in the car and just take a drive down the street and then get on a conference call and work it that way, you know, if that's what's manageable. Because um, when we try to set up too much, uh, almost, I don't want to call it structure, but it is a little bit, you know too much then I find that's where the stress came in was like you had expectations of how things should be and now it's not lining up to that yeah so when when we let go of that then we just kind of take it as it is you know so do you sort of design how your day is going to be like the night before or is it even more organic than that Yeah, well, I sometimes I will. And at the beginning, when I first started this, I really I put a little bit more pressure on myself than necessary, where I was trying to always plan the next day. And sometimes it worked out. But then when it didn't work out, that's where I found I was being too hard on myself. And it's, you know, the children could feel it. So an example of that, like a a yeah, like if I thought Yeah, if I thought like, okay, so tomorrow we're going to learn, let's say, you know, the life cycle of bees, and I'm going to read this story, and then we're going to go out in the garden, and we're going to look for bees, and, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I created this experience in my mind, (laughs) and then they woke up, and they just weren't having it, you know, they didn't necessarily maybe want to listen to that book, or whatever it is. I had to just learn to say, okay, well, I set up this experience and it's not that I, you know, throw the experience in the garbage. It's just, maybe it's not going to happen today. And yeah. Um, yeah. so then I would take them as they were in that moment and maybe it would change to something else, you know, but I could keep on, I could keep that lesson, but just be flexible maybe on the day that it was executed on. Cause yeah. I, that's where I learned um, a really big lesson the first year, I guess. It was focusing on the experiences rather than the content. And that was a really hmm. big, that was a big epiphany for me because I told myself that children remember, you know, and adults too, you remember the experience. Yes. And if the experience and the energy is just vibrating so high, 
um, you retain it. It's second nature. You just retain that whole thing, you know, but if, if I start to get stressed and my energy plummets, uh, the vibration, the children sense it, they resist it. And then, then there's no retention of anything, you know? So I told myself I could present all this content, but if I can't set the stage for the energy and the experience, then none of that matters. And that was, that was now how I approach um, homeschooling. Yeah. Yeah, how does how does that translate when it's like a core subject that they have to learn, like math or grammar yeah. or stuff where they're not really in the mood ever, maybe for that experience? We don't know. Yeah, yeah. It took a little bit of part, a, a little bit of creativity on my part, where I had to stay. You know, like my daughter, she doesn't really enjoy being taught. She <laughs> she has quite. <laughs> She, she has quite a fiery character and it's wonderful. It's going to bring her in great places, you know, throughout her life, but she likes to teach. And so I just explained it to her in the sense, like if we were two friends playing, right. Um, it, what, what would be fair to you? Would it be fair if I just directed the whole game or would it be fair if we used a bit of both of our ideas or mm. maybe it's a bit of my game, a little bit of your game. And then we join, you know, we split the time up. And so she understood that. And mm-hmm. then I said, so this is like what, um, you know, learning, for example, uh, a new thing in math was. So mm-hmm. I said, look, you enjoy that this is also something that's very important, you know, so how about we do half and half, or I'm going to tell you what we need to learn, and you explain to me the best way that you think that you would learn that, you know, and I'll integrate it into the lesson, so I, yeah, and I just, and she was really open to that, she was receptive to that, because I think it gave her a sense of, um, that I respected where she was coming from, but also a sense of autonomy and, you know, she was designing the way she learned this lesson. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of kids, that's what they're struggling with is that they just want to feel like their thoughts are, and you know, their feelings are important. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes when there's resistance there, it's really because, you know, a lot of us as adults were schooled ourselves so there's like, well, this is the lesson and this is how it has to play out because this is how it would be in school. Yeah. But it's not the same dynamic when you're homeschooling because you always have a different energy with your children. And some children, I realize they feed off the energy in the room of a classroom. Mm-hmm. And when it's one-on-one, they want to feel like they're kind of, you know, a little bit more in control of the environment, which is not necessarily a bad thing if you don't view it as a bad thing. Yeah, well, the, the formal school school classroom, you know, just the way it's set up is already very, very clear that the teacher is the authority and you're in, yeah. a, you're in a group of peers and you just sit down, shut up and absorb it unless. You yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, one on one, I don't think even if we did this back in the 70s, it still wouldn't work, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Um, have you found it like helpful to have any kind of I mean do you have any kind of rituals of I know you you mentioned the sharing with your daughter you figured that out but do you have like rituals in terms of okay the kitchen table is where we're going to study this so let's come to the table now or like do you do anything like that that helps yeah ease the kids into the lessons that could help yes. their parents yeah so sometimes um sometimes you know like I said we create the experience and it's 
you know, we're outdoors and we're taking it in that way. And then I link it into, you know, reading books or, uh, you know, activities. And sometimes it's more formal, you know, and it's uh, activity pages and it's, you know, books and um, that type of learning sitting down at the table. And, you know, that's their schoolwork and they have to do their their math or their writing or whatever it is that's more um more structured Mm -hmm. so that I think because I've allowed myself to go to both dynamics and stop seeing it as learning only happens at the table with the book that 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 I can say okay today's not a book day it's not a sit down and read your book day it's uh go out and experience it you know and I just pull in whatever's happening or like my son he's very focused he's he's five my daughter is um is turning eight so Mm -hmm. he's extremely focused so if he chooses to focus on his activity pages you know kindergarten then he will do 20 of them in a row and it just flows and it flows fast you Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. and but if he's focused on play (laughs) then he's focused on play and it's it's all near possible to pull him up yeah pull him off that track and now tell him to sit down yeah so so I've I've learned to kind of play around with whatever energy they're presenting me at the time and say, okay, today he's focused on play. That's okay. You play. And today I'm going to do a little bit more formal lessons for my older daughter because I know he's distracted and he's out of the way. So I, I I don't view it as you both need to sit down and you both need to do X amount of time because sometimes they have days where like adults, they'll put in three times the amount of time and some days they want nothing to do it to do with it and I could see it and I could see they're fidgeting and they're not focused and I say okay I see you have a lot of energy go outside and play then we'll come back in and we'll start again and some days most of the days that works some days that doesn't even work and I have to say today's just not the day you know and it's a good lesson for life in general because you know even as adults let's say uh we need to clean we're not in the mood you 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 want to force yourself. No, no. Sundays are supposed to be my laundry day. And then you get to Sunday and you're like, yeah, but everything in my body is saying, I don't want to do this. And then we struggle with ourselves instead of being easier on yourself and say, you know what, when I'm in the mood, I'll get all the laundry done in one day without resistance, but I won't always put myself in resistance. I think all of us do that. So I think it's really cool that you're homeschooling in a way that, you know, that maybe they're learning to flow with their own energy. Yeah, that that's what my hope for them is too. Is is in those moments, being able to go within and really connect with what they're sensing, you know, and understanding how to how to manage that energy, you know, because a lot of times too, as adults, we'll say, "Oh my gosh, last night I had a horrible sleep. I I feel, you know, I have a lot of brain fog. Today's yeah. just not. Today's just not the day. Today's yeah. not the day." And uh, I need to take it easy or, you know, I'm going to postpone that appointment or whatever it is. And we're, you know, as hard as it is, we we're allowed to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we don't extend those that same um, thinking, I guess, to our children. We think that they just operate, you know, at our own rhythm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes they had a hard past couple of days. Sometimes the, you know, the full moon does affect them. Sometimes yeah. uh, whatever, you know, energies are going on, 
they're just detecting it and they need a different, you know, they're so in tune with themselves that oftentimes when you step back and you start watching them, you see that they naturally know what to do. Yeah. And that was, that's been the, one of the biggest lessons for me is stepping back and saying, wow, like they know they need to run outside barefoot and just ground themselves today, you know, whereas where maybe I let the anxiety get to me, you know? Yeah. Or they know that they need to just, you, even with food, you know, sometimes they know a food doesn't align with them and rather than forcing them to eat it, you know, just having them connect with themselves and honor that inner voice I think that's probably more of what the world needs now is oh, yeah, uh, I agree. <laughs> yeah, emotional intelligence, you know, the the rest kind of comes it comes fast and as long as the emotional intelligence is addressed, the rest can come really quickly. And so, you know, uh, what what kind of shift have you seen in them uh during the pandemic because you were already doing this at home? So I'm just yeah. curious what they're picking up on energetically or what what has shifted with the pandemic for them this year? Well, fortunately, we live uh, in a pr- pretty rural area in the Laurentians. Okay. So we have we have almost two acres of land and um, they they understood that, you know, they couldn't go out. They couldn't go to stores. Okay. A lot of their sports got canceled, but it, they also saw that um they had a lot of like outdoor time to kind of get their energy out. Mm -hmm. So for them, that was a big blessing, you know, and I understand a lot of children don't have that. Yeah. I think that primarily despite the outside circumstances, they they feed off your energy. So um, for us, it was just important to just, you know, not let the fear of what was happening in the outside world kind of penetrate the home. Yeah. Okay. And because we really kept them almost like a little bit in a bubble, you know, not in a, not in a bad way. They understood what was happening, but we didn't let the fear penetrate us necessarily. So it wasn't going through to them. And I think that's that great. Be- well, how can, can you describe a little bit how you did that? Cause I think that's really important for parents to figure out. Yeah, like, so, you know, any discussions about the news and what was happening with, you know, uh, you know, the numbers and, uh, you know, all that we kept that really we kept that away from them. Um, And I knew we were right before we went on lockdown. I knew there was a it was a lot going on in the news, but we had we did have a family, um, my aunt's birthday party scheduled. So I knew they were going to be around a lot of adults discussing uh, the pandemic. So I knew I couldn't hide it from them, but I just uh, sat down with my daughter and because at first she heard one or two things and she said to my husband, she said, stop talking about that. I don't like that. Mm. And it wasn't (laughs) anything, but I could tell that she sensed that it was uh, uncertainty, you know? Yeah. And so I told myself, okay, we have to really create a sense of um, in this moment of powerlessness, you know, for a lot of people a sense of inner power. So I sat down with her and I spoke to her and I said, you know, um, you're going to hear a lot of adults talk about this Mm -hmm. and it's like anything, right? A lot of adults will be really afraid and some might, might talk about it in different ways that might make you feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But I said, it's really important that you know that your body is really strong and your body is as strong as your mind. 
So I'm not going to say, cause at that time we didn't know, I said, I'm not going to say that nobody will ever get this, yeah. but I will say that we are strong in our minds and our bodies will understand that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to give her a sense of whatever happened or whatever came, you know, she had a power over her own healing and her body. Mm-hmm. So then that way, it didn't matter what she heard from the outside. She just could find that sense of peace within herself. Mm -hmm. And I think after that, it just clicked and she just wasn't fearful anymore because I didn't want to tell her anything that wasn't true. But at the same time, you know, one thing we do believe in our home very strongly is that the mind is extremely powerful. Yeah. And, you know, it can do, it can create miracles, you know, in healing. And so I just want her to know that that's a possibility. So, so she's been out. She's been out in stores wearing a mask and stuff. Or have she seen well, she, that or not? Yes, she has seen that. She doesn't have to wear a mask because of her age. Okay. Um, you know, and where we live, it's not. It's you know, it's not so common for children unless it's legal. It legally they have to, um, because we're we've kind of stayed outside of the I guess hot zones. Yeah. You know. So for her, she just sees it as almost like a new normal, but she doesn't feel the fear of it. Okay. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. So I, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to withhold the truth from them, but at the same time, I didn't want them to be taken over by the fear aspect of it. Do they, do they play with other kids? Do they have a little bubble of safe kids that they play yeah, with? Yeah, yeah, they do. We have a really large family of cousins. There's uh, going to be nine cousins now, uh, all eight and younger. Mm-hmm. So uh, they have a lot of cousins that, you know, we're at home and stuff. And they also have like further up in the Laurentians, a lot of stuff still stayed open. So they had um, for school and stuff like that that they still attended horseback riding and and those things so they still have a lot of connection with uh with other children mm-hmm. and i've realized too it's not the quantity of their connection it's really the quality so sometimes they just have one play date in the week but it's really meaningful and they connect deeply with that you know the child whoever it may be mm. and that fulfills them so yeah, that's nice wow. yeah so how does this work, the homeschooling with like the province and dealing with, I don't know, like passing their grades or like, does it, I'm just, I have no experience with this, how it works yeah. with homeschooling. Yeah. So uh, in Quebec, you don't have to, technically kindergarten is still considered daycare. Okay. So there's no um, reports that have to be followed up on on the child. It starts only in grade one. And in grade one, you have to submit, uh, you know, your learning, the beginning, what your learning project is. So what you plan out for the year, midway through the, um, and then it has to get approved by your resource person uh, with the Minister of Education. Mm -hmm. Midway through the year, there's a check-in. Pre-pandemic, it was uh, your resource person would visit the home and the child and kind of yeah, so they 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 would see what they had been doing and the environment and everything, and then you have your end of the year um, 
the project that you submit. So throughout, and the parents' observations and the progress from the beginning to the end of the school year, along with all, a lot of photos of all the work the child's been doing. Huh. Um, yeah, so it's so projects, not really like textbooks to complete or tests to write. No, yeah, well, at the beginning of the year, you can say, are you following a certain curriculum or are okay. you, you know, so what your style is, and then that's where they will approve it, you know, which generally, generally it's pretty, you can, there's a, there's a vast uh, amount of um, ways you can go about it. Mm -hmm. personalize it to your child but that's where they approve and then you can move out from there interesting okay yeah so what advice do you have for for parents who are trying to homeschool right now within the school system from what you know like what would you any advice that you've noticed to give them um I would say the first one which is really hard I think for a lot of parents is uh practicing self-care Ah. Um, that I think really sets the tone for the whole week. And, uh, I've been on both ends of the spectrum, so I can understand completely when people say it's just, it's impossible. You know, I don't have a minute in my week or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I don't like to really create a ritual. I think that it's so individual what self-care is for me mm -hmm. at, for me at this point i have uh you know one day a week where i take a class uh for uh bar fitness because it's allowed up here some and when it was all shut down i would i had a friend that we would meet and we would just go on power walks you know and mm -hmm. have, we would take tea and walk with it and we would just connect and it just it gave me a space to just uh connect with an adult and yeah create like a you know a tribe you know of where you have a support system and um then I would feel like okay I can take on this week because I'm not drained and I would do it before you get drained because it's often it's very hard to backtrack yes and that that one moment it's not so convenient for my family <laughs> it's not always easy but because I have that one day a week set that I take it it's really important and it changes the energy within the home dramatically, whether I mm -hmm. you know, take, take care of myself or not. Um, I would say that it sounds so controversial, but that almost trumps the education aspect, you know, because yeah. your energy penetrates the children so deeply that if that is not um, centered, it's really hard to get the content through. Yeah. Really, you know, and it's just so important to teach them that because the more you discover with about yourself, the more than you have awareness of your child, because often they're just mirroring everything back to you, yes. which is a gift. It's a gift, you know, it's a gift of awareness, but I would say the self-care first before you even worry about the education because kids, they learn so much so fast and mm -hmm. you know, they can, they can really, they're real sponges, you know, in the correct environment. And, yeah, then and they need you... to learn self-care as well. So you're modeling self-care as part yeah. of the, that's part of the learning too, right? And, yeah, boundary, that's and boundaries. <laughs> that's it. Exa yeah, exactly. Boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's really up there. I would I think, think boundaries is probably one of the hardest parts of, of what's going on for people at home right now. It's within themselves to find new yeah. boundaries 
now that they're home and then with their kids or their work to be uh, all in one place all the time. Like the, the boundary thing is probably just going crazy inside people, I imagine. Oh, yeah, it, it is. And, and it's very hard, too, because sometimes, you know, you, you've set yourself up to operate in a certain way, and now it's been flipped on you. And it's, you know, it's maybe highlighting sometimes, you know, when you're around the people that are closest to you, they actually highlight really what you haven't been working yep. on. <laughs> and, yes. And so, you know, you're trying, you have all this outside pressure for your child's education combined with the fact that really there's all these wounds brewing up that you really need to tend to. Yeah. So that duality, I think, is probably the primary stress of yes. any homeschooling parent. So when you tend to the wounds, then you're able to really pick apart what's of real importance in the child's education, you know, and how to approach it, because you can't do it the other way around. Yeah, and you can't get in touch with your wounds unless you have some self-care and space. Yes, yeah. You know, I think like you said, you you know, you've, you've got the, you know, the fortune of having space outside and, you know, in nature so that you can take that space, but I wonder what, what you would suggest for city parents, you know, what, what kind yeah. of things could they do to find space or nature or, you know? Well, like, I think that sometimes even just um, whatever it is, you know, I've, what I've learned through my son is that oftentimes emotions get trapped in the body and they actually have to be physically moved out yes. in order, you know, to, to kind of move. So, whatever that may mean for you, you know, sometimes it might just mean a 20 minute workout session quickly, intense, just to allow that all that energy to kind of uh, transmute itself. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes it may be a power walk. Uh, Sometimes it could be just going outside and you know, you dress for the weather and you go outside and just look at the stars or whatever Mm -hmm. that, that means for you just to have it sounds crazy. You know, we have chickens <laughs> and it, so- it sounds crazy, but like sometimes I often hear my husband and my kids laughing, you know, from inside the house because ours, our chickens are pretty far off and I'll just stand there, you know, I'll go out and feed them and I'll just stand there. And they're like, what is she doing out there? <laughs> and and for me, it's just like, even not being in in motion, just having quiet you know pulling myself out from the environment and having it even if it's 10 minutes of just quiet nobody's asking me for anything (laughs) yeah you know and some people could find people to help them uh you know watch the kids for an hour or some people may not have that but if you can just separate yourself from the environment for a moment then that starts to give you a little bit of peace of mind I agree I think I think regardless of where you are, what's going on, it always helps to have a visual change of environment to pull you away from your current thought loop, you know, because once we get into anxiety, our our mind starts spinning and it's very hard to get out and you need to do something to shock yourself. Like even, you know, yeah, going out in the cold, it'll wake you up like go out in the snow for 10 minutes. It's going (laughs) to be up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I and that's what it is. I find it's just pulling, you know, sometimes especially when you're home with your children all day, you're just you're on this 
I remember telling my husband, it's like, I'm on one track. You know, I said, yeah. when you're, when you're going to work, I said, you're, you're on one track when you're in your car drive, then you go, you arrive there, you're on another track. Then you have your lunch break. You're on a tra- yeah. another track and you come home. But I said, when you're in the house, you're on one track all day long, you know? Yeah. And it's just, it meshes it, in. And it, bl- it blurs and blends, right? Cause we're yeah. in the house. Yeah. Yeah. So I said that I need to pull myself off that track for me to have my own sanity. (laughs) I need to get off the track, whatever that means, however that means. And then that way I can kind of step back and say, oh, okay, you know, yeah, that, that time where he had that fit. Yeah. I got into my emotions, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, or, you know, he's, refuses to help you know he hit a stage my son where he refused to help around the house and even though he was just five you know Mm -hmm. sometimes you're like you get caught up in your thoughts and instead of me going into the thought process of oh my gosh you know he's not going to learn proper um you know respect for the environment and what kind of adults he going to be and what's it going to be like when he's a teenager you know Mm -hmm. I'm just like okay well let's just take it as it is he's five years old he's hit a stage really it's not um it's not so important but he's actually gonna retain more on how i manage this conflict yeah so yeah very wise yeah go inside and teach him what you're gonna do with now this conflict that is being presented and let him come out of the stage and he did Mm -hmm. sure enough he did when he found his own you know, his own uh, sense of direction and, and drive, then he came out of it, you know, but Mm -hmm. I, I find that sometimes when you're in the environment too much, you really get trapped in your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just way, as I'm listening to you, I just think there's just way too much pressure on, on kids and parents on structuring and controlling everything as if everything's supposed to, uh, I don't know, be perfect all the time when it's, it's just, yeah, it's very human to go through those moods and resistance. And it doesn't mean you're screwing them up, you know? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Yeah. I mean, that day that you let your kid play hooky could mean everything to them down the road and they realize mom cares how I feel. Okay. Now I'm good to go, you know? Yeah. Or who knows what that's going to mean that you let them go off and have their resistance or their mood or their they're a little rebellious, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I had this insight just the other day and made a little video about the difference between letting go and surrendering versus letting yourself go where you start to go down that dark well of like, oh, well, I can't, it's never going to work anyway. Or, oh, well, look at them. Forget it. I tried instead of letting go is like, like you're doing, you know, okay, let him, let him have space to do that. And he'll come back. And then he does. It's, it's so different that mind state, eh? Yeah, it's totally different. And, and, you know, that's where I learned to stop trying to create so many consequences for his behavior and just, ah. and, and let, uh, let the natural consequence roll out, you know? So he doesn't, for example, he doesn't want to sit down for dinner. He, he let he's a mover, you know? Okay. So he really, he's just like, he finds it very hard to sit down and, uh, so I just would first I, I set him up for success and then I then I give him a chance to step up 
to the success, you know? So I'll just tell him, okay, I'm preparing dinner now. Uh, go move around, go play your games, mm-hmm. uh, do what you want, and then be prepared when I call you to come sit down and eat. Mm-hmm. So I kind of set him up for success. And then dinner comes and he has one of two choices to make. So sometimes he'll come and he's hungry and he wants to eat up all his food. And sometimes he's not up for it and he wants to mess around and go do stuff. So I just let him know, okay, I'm making one dinner tonight. <laughs> I'm, yeah. not, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to start making 10 things. I'm making uh-huh. one dinner. This is your last call before bath time. Uh-huh. So if you, yeah, if you want to go, you know, play your games, play that, but know that you're going to come back to your cold food or yeah. you're going to go into bath time hungry. So make yeah, your choice. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so the, the consequence is not like, I'm not coming in constantly threatening him. It's yeah, just, yeah. it's natural yeah. and he, he makes his choice and he has to, you know, live with that choice. Or sometimes they, I, I don't like this dinner. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not making something else, Yeah. but you're free to go in the, in the fridge and you want to go get some vegetables, some fruits, or, you know, something there, not a snack, like, you know, not, yeah, yeah. Junky. But yeah. you want, if you want to eat something else, then choose some fruits or vegetables, you know? And yeah. so, because that's another thing too, is like so much conditioning comes through eating and the food yeah. that it's like, sit down, eat all your dinner. And yeah. Yeah. Kids are starving and, in Africa. Finish your meal kind of yeah, mentality. Yeah. Yeah. And there's the guilt trip that comes yeah. with it and you oh, know, yeah. don't, don't waste and sets us so, all up or cookies or cookies or rewards or here. If, if you do this for me, I'll, I'll give you a, a treat and it's food. And then it sets you up for for that whole addictive eating cycle and yeah oh yeah yeah. no that's a very good point the food is a big part of this whole homeschooling home home time I'm sure for everybody yeah yeah I know my sister she has four boys and at the beginning she was like this is insane they go to school (laughs) they go to school with their lunch and but yet somehow now they're home and they just want to eat all day long, you know, uh-huh. and so then we had what we started was like setting up a lunchbox for the kids. And mm-hmm. uh, this is your snack tray for the day. Mm-hmm. You're free to go there when you'd like, you know, and this is the times I prepare the meals. Mm-hmm. And then that way too, like, you know, I think it, it's, it's okay for parents to say like, I'm not up for doing this. <laughs> You know, to say you have limitations, some parents want to love cooking and they don't mind that aspect. And some parents don't love it. And I think that's where you let go of the judgment and you just say, this is what I'm able to offer because it's within my capacity and I feel comfortable doing this. And then you pull back in certain areas and you know that you only have so much energy to give. So not everything is going to be at a hundred percent, you know? So are your meal times fairly fixed during the day though is that one thing that is sort of standardized there the only one that kind of will flow a little bit more is uh the lunch you know because sometimes there's an activity and that kind of moves around the dinner and the the breakfast are kind of more fixed but even even now the kids have hit this thing where they want to wake up and they want to play for an hour and a half before they have breakfast and if I make it it's yeah, it just sits there, you know, and they used to wake up and want breakfast right away. 
Mm. So I just mm. told myself, well, I'm not going to make breakfast and have it sit there. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, you know, play if that's what you're where your body's at right now, play. And then I have something prepared for when they come up and they want to, they want to eat, you know, so I just yeah. instead of me, you know, come upstairs, eat your breakfast, come up, it's getting cold. I told myself, I really, you know, there's a lot on my plate now, and I don't need to add more to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, let's move into the other terrain that we were going to talk about today. And that's, you know, how intuitive and spiritual your kids are. If you can yeah. tell us some of some of those early experiences. Yeah. Um, so I started kind of going within myself more, I would say, when I became pregnant with my daughter, my first. Mm-hmm. And what was so amazing was now in retrospect, I look back and I realized that her energy was really impacting mine because I would have these really clear premonition dreams, like very clear to the point where I would be sitting down talking with my grandmother that passed away. And I would see a family member in the back walking with a big belly, uh, you know, Mm. uh, pregnant. Mm -hmm. And then two weeks later, find out that, you know, she announced at a family party that she was expecting. Mm -hmm. So I had... I had two of those and I'd have other stuff and those were really strong and clear to me. And even since then, I have not had them so clear and so strong. So now I realize mm-hmm. even my, even my daughter now, when we got our kittens just last, last on Sunday, I had already, um, I had already known that the kittens were arriving, but the second one was a surprise and I knew exactly what the kitten looked like. I had the picture, everything. And then she came down one morning and she says, Mama, I had the most wonderful dream. I dreamt that the first one that they knew about, was, they called it Marshmallow. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Marshmallow was Nolan's cat. And I got my own cat. And she, mm-hmm. described, she described the cat to a T. And even saying it was a female and everything. And so I was, I was excited for her because I thought, oh my God, what a beautiful lesson for her on, you know, her experience and her premonition dream and, and yeah, this validating whole her. Intuition yeah. Early. Yeah. And so I, uh, I, I kept it, you know, inside. And then when she saw the cat, she was like shocked and she, <laughs> she, was, really, she was really excited. And I told her, I said, Ava, that was called a premonition dream. I said, you dreamt of something happening without knowing it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But this was already planned. This cat was coming. I didn't That's get amazing. a cat. Yeah. And so she was like, oh my gosh, you know, because now at the hurry, she's going a little bit more into the mind too. So yeah. I find that that's where I'm trying to anchor her and, you know, keep the validation and, um, just the respect and acceptance for her gift so that she doesn't internalize it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like very early, like seven months old, she would show, um, she would point, you know, and that was the first reading I had with you. She would say, dog, 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 wake up at nighttime in our bed, mm-hmm. dog, dog, dog. And I knew she was staring at one thing in the corner, you know? And then mm-hmm. when I saw, when I saw you for a reading, you, you, you explained our, uh, what she was seeing, but you also de- like the details on the dog that had passed away. He was a mastiff with a big head and golden. And, and mm. I knew at that moment, I said, Oh, that is what she's seeing, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's that. 
she was very clear, you know, she, one Christmas, she was two, she wanted to know every single color, what it was and on the Christmas lights. And so she learned it within two days. And then she would say uh, in her picture book, she would say someone's name and point to a color. Wow. And that's when I knew she was seeing auras. Ah. Um, yeah. And she would, she would associate people with colors. Does she and still? She, Yes, she does, but it doesn't come up as strongly as when she was little. Yeah, I'm not surprised. It sort of shuts, it's, it goes into a different phase, I think, or what, around six, yeah. seven years old? Or? Yes, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And, and she just, uh, you know, she would go to, we would go to the crystal store, and I would say, okay, think of somebody, and pick, pick the crystal that you find is their energy, or what they need at ah, this time. Ah, nice. Yeah. And she would go in and she would pick for everyone and it was spot on, you know, mm -hmm. and as her language developed, she would start talking about uh, what she was seeing. You know, sometimes uh, she would talk about angels. She would still wow. to this day. Yeah. Still to this day, she will tell me she sees my mother-in-law passed uh, two years ago. She will say, I saw grandma and she was wearing this and the light, I knew it was her, but the light was shining on her face so strong that you couldn't see her face too well, but I knew it was her and she'll go into different, you know, aspects. She sometimes, you know, when we need a cleansing, she calls it, uh, you know, the entities or whatever, mm -hmm. whatever your belief is, she'll say, she calls it little mice, black mice with red eyes. Oh, oh wow. Little, yeah. Yeah. Oh. And she's she says, Oh, we need to cleanse, you know, we need to sage the house or, and it's just, to me, it's not something scary. It's just something, you know, accumulation of stuff you pick up and yeah. to reset, reset the energy. So yeah, it's been so, uh, so she was saging the house with you early. You said that's pretty yes. amazing. Yeah. So that, 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 that really helped. blows my mind. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you know, it actually, it was, it was on that reading with you, the first reading, Okay. She, she would wake up with night terrors. Oh. And, um, and then I, I had asked about like, what is this? Cause it was very intense. And then, so you talked about uh, bringing Archangel Michael in yes. and then that kind of kickstarted our journey for um, self-empowerment, you know? Oh, and wow. so, yeah. And so that's where I really said, okay, where can I, you know, cause she, we are in control of the energies around us, what we allow in, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and, you know, how, if we internalize it or, you know, transmute it or whatever it is. So I wanted her to understand that it wasn't something scary. It was something that she, if she felt it wasn't aligning with her, there was something she could do about it, you know, and she could mm -hmm. help to transmute that. And, and just, you know, uplift the vibrations around her. So what, and, a, what has she done? What is her version of that that's helped her? So she, uh, so a lot of times when she was starting preschool, she had like a big crystal collection. Huh. And she would go in and she would say, um, okay, I'm going to pack these ones. She has a little like medicine pouch. I'm going to pack these. And I'm going to bring it with me and keep the crystals for the day, you know, and this is going to so cute. Help. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, you know, a lot of them, then I'd read up on the crystals. And I'm like, oh my, this is like spot on. <laughs> what was she, what was she choosing? I'm so curious. What gems? So, there was one time where, you know, we, someone had recommended that she gets like a grounding stone, you know, uh -huh. and, and 
we went there and she was not having it. She said, mama, I'm not picking any black stones. And I was like, (laughs) and I was like, I was like, okay, you know, and then yeah, and she picks a, I believe the name is rhodiola, I think. The oh, pink yeah. One. Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, and it helps you with the separation, uh, you know, with the parents or, you know, a lot of times taking on a new experience or whatever it was. And I remember reading. Oh, uh, you mean uh, rhodochrosite. Okay, yes, yes. Yeah, sorry, rhodiola yeah. is an herb, the herb there for um, your adrenal glands. Oh, yes. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. No, but still, I mean, it's interesting. They're coming up. But yeah, yeah, it's sort of the the higher vibration of the the rose quartz, the self-love and healing. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. That's high level, man. Yeah, that is. is. she's, She's been a wonderful teacher for me because I'm like, whoa, even sometimes, you know, where as I develop my own um, intuition and insight into stuff, I sense something and then she comes along and she says exactly what I saw or felt. And I'm like, Whoa, okay. You know, it's, it's, it's really such a beautiful experience to, you know, sometimes a lot of times as adults, we go on these uh, spiritual journeys, but we internalize it so much to the point where we don't experience it with the people around us. And especially children, I, I learned that as I go along, I don't need to know everything, but as I go along, we can journey together and we develop, you know, our, our insight, our gifts, whatever you want to call it, the sensitivities, mm-hmm. we just develop, we develop it together. And then in that there's beauty because they don't have to be the same. Mm-hmm. They can be different. They can be heard or seen or whatever it is, but mm-hmm. it's, it's all the same in the end, you know? Does she have certain things like sort of spiritual practices that she likes now that like, I don't know, maybe before bed or when she gets up or is there anything she's doing uh, that you see evolving as a spiritual practice for her? Yeah. For her, she says that nature is so important. So yeah. she knows, yeah. she knows that nature is really important and uh, she likes to be barefoot outside. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times too, as when she was younger, uh, she would, we would kind of call in, you know, the angels as protection around her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that way, you know, she utilizes crystals a lot for her. And I think just talking about it you know keeping the normalcy about it mm-hmm. and not just saying okay well she has all these gifts and leaving it be like we make it an experience as often as possible so mm-hmm. even just playing playing games um when she was little you know they don't always have the language to express themselves and not mm-hmm. everything needs not everything needs to uh to make be verbalized yeah, yeah. No, that's true yeah very you know, true so we would play a game like how's your energy you know and she would point on the wall either it was low medium high Hmm. uh you know oh and then we would go through sometimes you know at preschool if I said something was off we would run through the names of her classmates how's the energy feel and then you'd be surprised because sometimes sometimes somebody who's a friend is actually for her a lower energy than somebody who's not her friend you know so maybe maybe the interactions aren't so fulfilling for her, you know, and that gave me insight to that. Yeah. Um, or maybe she's drawn to them to help them without knowing that's what's going on. Cause that's so, yes. so much the experience of an empath, right. Is you, you bond to people that need you. Yes. 
Yeah. 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 And so I would just, you know, and we talked about, we would discuss like, you know, when her energy was feeling low, what helps you to fill that back up so that Mm -hmm. the next day, so the next day you can feel like your energy is really high. So when you go out, you don't feel like people are pulling so much at your Mm -hmm. energy, you know? And so, so we would talk about that. And what would she do to raise her own energy back again? she needed she she needs a quiet time even though she's really she's really social yeah you know and that's the the duality of it she's really social so um so sometimes she doesn't realize how taxed her energy is getting you know and for her for her schooling (laughs) schooling was really taxing like she got in the car and she was wiped out you know yeah and um so that's so typical of highly empathic people everything you're describing everything yeah yeah and so she would just like say okay I'd say, do you want to go alone in your room for a bit? And her, for her, it's art, you know? So she's ah. really, she's really artistic. And nice. uh, she'd go into that world of coloring. It was like meditation for her, you know? Mm. And there was this one time, actually, I just thought of it now, that she was coloring. And oftentimes when she's coloring, you think she's in her own world, but mm-hmm. she's listening to the whole environment and taking it in mm-hmm. like at a very high level mm-hmm. and I was listening to this podcast and it was just talking about um you know just stepping outside your comfort zone and being propelled to really your calling and stuff like that and she says 991 mama and I said what and she said 991 don't mm-hmm. you hear the lady the lady's telling you 991 and then <laughs> I and I thank goodness I had spoken to somebody who said that she's going to start telling you like angel numbers. Oh, without yeah, without even even without even knowing. And then I knew right away. I thought, oh my gosh, what is this? So I wrote it down. And wow. then she says, she says, "Mama, don't you know the lady's telling you nine nine one?" And when I read it, it was literally what the podcast was about. Wow. And I was like. Oh my God. And well, that, that's, she, wow. That's, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I learned to just trust her. I, I don't try and control the experience to well, yeah. teach her. I find, I take it as she is. So she mainly teacher. needs time alone to recharge and she does her art. Does she do yeah. anything else? Or is she usually like, does she need a long time to recharge or? No, she doesn't need too long to, to recharge. She just needs consistency in the recharging. Okay. And so as long as the consistency is there and, you know, I really, I really had to um, first find it within myself, my ability to create boundaries. Mm -hmm. And when, once I knew it for myself, then I could uh, help guide her because I knew, I knew she was so sensitive, but yet she was, she's just, she's vibrating very, um, very high you know like not in a comparison state but she's vibrating very high so there's a lot drawn to her you know that's why I was curious particularly in her case how she was responding to this pandemic vibe because even if she's in a container at home it's still in the air you know yeah and I I just wondered like do you see her more tired or I don't know does she need to recharge more often during this pandemic time or yeah, she'll hit mo- she'll hit some times where she, you see she gets very moody. Okay. You know, and that's her that's her, you know, where I, I can sense her 
balance is off. Yeah. So she'll, she'll get moody and, um, she had any other physical symptoms during this? Like, cause I know I'm just talking about adult empaths, but I know a, a lot yeah. of us have been feeling a lot of sleep disturbance, um, yes. head, headachey, brain foggy more, more this year with the pandemic. Yeah. Well, with her, I noticed that, uh, you know, she spent a good amount of time sleeping in her own room okay. and then all of a sudden she wanted to be sleeping with us. So yeah, that's where, that's where I told myself, like, don't, don't go into your thoughts too much. Like, oh, she's at an age. She should be sleeping alone. Keep her in her bed. Don't right. start it. Don't start a new, uh, a, you know, a bad habit, so to speak. You're I just worried said, she's regressive and in, instead. Yeah, of, yeah. Yeah. I just told myself, you know what, this is where she's at. And, and the energies are so intense right now that yeah. if she needs this extra bit of comfort, she's yeah. a very good detector of what she needs and give her this, this moment in time, you yeah, know, exactly. And, and that's where I just kind of let her guide me more on that. Yeah. Uh, and Does she I, also I think, find it really hard to be in uh, these public places like the stores, you know, because if you're saying school was draining, I can't imagine how draining it must be on a little girl to be at a, you know, a pharmacy right now or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So she just, um, like when she does come out to the stores, it's a very like short spurts yeah. and it's, and it's with purpose, you know, if there's something yeah, in particular okay. that she needs, or she does want to come grocery shopping, you know, because I know myself at the beginning of the pandemic, the energy was so intense. Oh yeah. I, I was just like, I could feel the fear in the air and it was oh, yeah. just, suffocating every time I would I would just go for a little walk outside in my village I'm not even inside and I would feel uh I could feel symptoms of the virus when I came back in and I'm like yes wow yes yeah and, and I'm I, like can this be this airborne or is this energetic and I you know I wasn't sure and I might never know but I I I had to allow for a lot of extra rest this year to cope with uh, these intense energies too Yes, yes, yeah. I know myself too. At the beginning, that's where I didn't bring them to the stores so much. Mm -hmm. And my my husband's a bit more resilient in that area. So <laughs> there's a point where I was like, I cannot even go to the grocery store right now. Like, yeah, I'll yeah place, you're the shopper. I'll place, yeah, I'll place the order online if you could pick it up. Yeah. Because I just would, I, it's funny you say that because I would feel the symptoms. Like if I had to go to the bank and I had no yeah. choice, yeah. I was like, why do I feel like my throat's closing up exactly. on me right now? Yeah, exactly. So, so I just as things like, you know, lessened a little bit more, especially in the Laurentians, you know, mm -hmm. then that's where we go out with purpose. Or it's like we go, you know, we would bounce between the park and then the store and then a walk. So it kind of balanced it out for her. Yeah, for sure. What about with your son? How how does it differ with him? So my son was a whole, uh, a whole other experience, which is the beauty between both of them, I find it's very yin and yin and yang, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so my daughter was very clear verbally on what she was experiencing. So I had a very good idea of what was going on. It also she also spoke to a certain part of me that was very similar to how I experienced stuff. So I could relate and it was it was a certain type of energy. So my son, he didn't verbalize any of it. Um, and he, it took a lot more time for me to understand what it was that he was experiencing. Mm -hmm. So 
I knew he was more sensitive, you know, I knew that off the bat, uh, than my daughter in the sense where she's a little bit more resilient with, you know, what comes at her. She understands a little bit easier naturally what doesn't belong to her and what does. Mm -hmm. And he would internalize, uh, situations a little bit more and he would, uh, amplify the emotions in the room. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and that, that, for me, for my experience, that type of child is sometimes a little bit harder for the parents to understand because what happens is now they're displaying what they're going through, but it's not always in a productive way and there's no language to it. So you don't quite understand what they're experiencing. And he would, let's say, uh, one example was Uh, when he was younger, you know, it was very hard because he would act out a lot. Yeah, without knowing how to express or explain. Yeah, it's harder. He didn't didn't know how to. And he, um, when he was angry, he was really angry. So it was very hard to, Mm. to not focus on the tantrum itself, or, you know, the the lashing out. But with time, I started to realize, like, that I had to go into what the trigger was and not necessarily what he was actually doing, you know? And when I, when I started to go into that, I started to realize to even deeper level, how sensitive he was. And a good example was once we were around other children and one parent just, you know, and I, and there's no judgment in this because every parent has their days, but they really just exploded on their child, you know, Mm -hmm. and he was within the space and energetically, he just, it just rocked him because he just walked out and mind you, he was young and, you know, you're trying to teach him not to use certain words and whatever. And he kept kept saying like, this place is, he just kept saying, this place is so stupid. It's so stupid. I hate this place. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And he was going and he tried to take his bike and run away. And then I, I, yeah. And I had to, I had to, uh, tell him like, if you, you know, I had to get firm because he was going to go into the street, but I had to try and get him and tell him if you go with your bike, I have no choice, but to take it away. So Mm -hmm. he stopped, he stopped. But then when I got there, I knew that he had taken in that experience as if it happened to him. And it was intense. It was intense. And he didn't know what to do with it, you know? So I just, I picked him up and I held him and he kept saying he hated it. It was stupid. He hate, and I let him get through and then he broke down crying because he holds back the crying until he just can't hold it anymore. And he displays it first with the, he masks it with the anger. And, uh, and then I just let him just kind of have his moment. And then I just said, you want to go on that walk now, you know? And then he's like, yeah, let's go. And so we took like a a good hour, you know, of our time. And I just let him just move the emotion out of his body. And I just told him, I said, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, parents talk to children like as if they know everything, but parents are actually learning uh, at the same time as children and parents, not all parents know how to explain things to kids or how to express themselves. So when mm-hmm. you feel when you feel something like that happen, know that it has nothing to do with you and it actually has everything to do with the person that's acting like that. Yeah. And so he he got it, but 
for me, I knew the importance of moving the emotion out of his body and not letting it get trapped. And for me to not focus on what he was doing with that energy. So what, what do you find works when he gets into that mode? Like, is he able to spot or accept like, buddy, you know, you're, you're absorbing again. You need to like, go, go do something physical. Like, has, yeah, does, he, does he make that link? I mean, he's still only five, I know, but. Well, that's it. He's still like, it's getting easier as time goes on, you mm-hmm. know, but for me, what I had to do is I had to really uh, pull out, um, not go into the emotion of what was happening, you know, and I just really had to just be there for him as a support and create tools around him. And it's not going to always be where it's happening right away, you know, but bit by bit, he sinks into the tools easier. The first time he resists, he resisted a lot more than he does now. And then that's where I would just say, okay, you, you know, my husband's very good. Like, let's go on a bike ride. Let's, you know, he gets him really physically to push out, you know, exert the energy so that he can come back to a place of, you know, a little bit more peace. And then sometimes, you know, when we're not able to do that, it's just like, okay, let's go outside or, Hey, did you see that, um, that squirrel outside and let's see if he has a home close to us and then just kind of decompressing it. And distraction works better for him. Yeah. And once he's decompressed, then you can address the behavior. Then, then I find I could say, you know what? I know, I understand how frustrated you were. However, in this house, when you're frustrated, this is, you know, it works. If you talk to us, if you're really angry, go downstairs on your, you know, he has a little gym area or go outside, go throw some rocks in, you know, wherever you want. Yeah. But it doesn't, you know, in our home, we don't hit people or in our home, we don't use those words, you know. Is he attracted to the, or does he respond to the gemstones or the sage like your daughter did? Yes, he does. He does. However, he he responds a little bit stronger to uh, the outdoors. Interesting. Yeah, like him, I really realized and even stuff like, um, you know, if we have a bonfire or camping or um, just standing by the water and letting him just throw stuff in. Yeah, it's just all those, you know, anything that keeps him in movement then Mm -hmm. that's where he's able to really um to really i guess balance out what he takes in Mm -hmm. does he have difficulty with his own boundaries ever because i imagine like i i can relate to a lot of what you're describing with him because i think um um I'm, I'm more of a, an absorber as well, like something yeah. come and, and I feel sometimes I'll get very agitated and angry to, to push something out of, out of my energy field. And it took me a long time to realize I'm just, I'm not, I don't really mean the things coming out of my mouth, but I'm trying to push that energy out of me. Cause I, yeah. um, so yeah, just curious because boundaries has been a thing for me all my life. So I'm just curious with him. Yeah, I know. And that's where, um, I'm grateful my daughter too is a great teacher to him too, because she has a lot of patience. She has a lot of patience and, you know, sometimes too, they've, they have to, they have to, you know, find that, that flow between both of them too, on respecting someone else's boundaries, as well as really being firm in their own. 
So for him, sometimes I think the boundaries is also where he doesn't understand how to respect someone else's space. You know, he's just fixated. He's fixated a lot sometimes on, you know, his need trying to feel to make himself feel better because he's, he's just sensing he's constantly sensing. Right. So he wants to feel better. And, um, and I think that's where a lot of, you know, I'm not saying the case for him, but I think a lot of empaths go into different addictive behaviors, you know, because you're, you're trying to fill that void and, or or mask that intense emotion, you know? Yeah. And and I think uh, for a lot of empaths, they're just, there are no borders and boundaries. Like something's in the room, somebody feels something, it just permeates you. And so you end up doing the same thing in return. And it, it, yeah, it sets you up for a lot of codependent behavior or addictive yeah. behavior or for yeah. getting sick, you know, if you're not careful. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, that's where for him, I've realized that I have to see everything as an exchange of energy. So I can't see, you know, just the, the circumstances in front of me. I have to really read the exchange of energy, what is happening yeah. and what is he taking from this? You know, what tools yeah. is he building from this? Something as simple as like when we got our cats, you know, he just, he just loves on animals a little bit too much sometimes. <laughs> so he wants, yeah. he wants that cat to stay with him and he loves that, you know, he loves yeah. that cat so much. I get he it. Just, he, he wants that cat to just be there with him in his lap and yeah. love him as much as he loves yeah. it. But cats are very, you know, like yin energy. And it's oh, yeah, just, cats are great boundary teachers that way. Yeah, yeah. And and so I told myself, well, you know what? This this is, let's just see this as, you know, what is he getting from this experience? You know, he has to respect energy. He has to learn to read energy himself. Uh, you know, almost yeah. like this could be his first partner, right? Like, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so you know, the cat may enjoy being with you, but then they change their mind halfway and they're entitled to that, you know? So then you have to respect that. And I told myself too, he's, he's also getting upset because he's experiencing rejection. Oh, there you you go. Yeah. And, And so I told myself, but what better circumstances than to experience rejection than this moment, you know? So I told myself it's okay. Well, and you know, it's a great, moment to me like with if he's understanding the cat thing now like um that it's just that kitty kitty finds it too intense and he's had enough it's not personal yeah yeah and just like you do sometimes you know yeah (laughs) yeah and that's what I told him you know I said well Nolan look sometimes I want to hug you and kiss you so bad and you say no mama not now yeah I I I ask them first you know like may I have a hug may I have so I introduce it in the small steps with them and, That's great. And, and I said, you know, uh, you're allowed your space and you don't have to hug and kiss somebody when they, you know, unless you feel like it comes from your heart, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and then, so I said, and the cat is allowed to do that too. And I said, you're allowed to be upset, but it doesn't change the fact that the cat is allowed its space, you know? And so I told myself like, my job's not to rescue them from these emotions. You know, yeah. my job is to just create uh an environment of like love and acceptance and tools so that when they go out and they you know have these strong feelings that they kind of have good roots um 
and navigation to help them navigate uh, their, their, I guess, their way. But, yeah. you know, so I just try and find for him, I try and find the tiny lessons and the, the energetic um, patterns that he's creating now. Yeah. Uh, what would I hope for myself? What would I hope for him? What would I hope for anybody? You know, have you, um, have you used the, the Bach flower remedies with him at all? Yes, I did. Yeah, I did. Did you use yeah. the walnut remedy? I didn't yet, but that's an interesting. Walnut one. is for boundaries. It. Walnut, oh. walnut is the one that I go to as a fallback if I'm, if I notice that I'm having trouble with any boundary issue or absorbing or people pleasing or nervous to yeah. say no. Yeah. Uh, walnut is helpful, and as far as gemstones for feeling like your own personal space, um, hematite seems oh, to work great. really well. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm going to, I'm going to look into that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you're you. welcome. Cause I, I can relate to him a lot and I know like how intense the, the feelings and the frustration and the rejection and that whole, that whole cycle yeah. can be when you're that yeah. sensitive and you, and uh, you don't know how to manage it. It's, it's tough because he'll do that. You know, you'll do that with little kids at school and you'll just want their friendship so bad. And, and then yeah. they, they're not in the mood and, oh, they don't like me and mommy. And, you know, and you just go through this roller coaster. It starts, uh, so yeah. I, I, that's why I, <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I, and that, and that's where, you know, at the beginning it was harder to detect what was going on, you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, it's interesting that you say that because as I also went into my own, um, you know, childhood wounds or whatever it is, that's just lying dormant within you, you know, mm -hmm. that's where I could, um, I could really identify with him. And I was better able to help him through those moments because I was no longer in my head and I was just really coming from my heart. Mm -hmm. And that for me is just, you know, that's that I find creates, you know, whether it's homeschooling or not, or whatever your, your circumstances are, is just finding the real joy in every moment and not seeing it as today was a really bad day or today was a good day, you know, is just because sometimes in those bad days, you have these really awesome learning moments. And yeah. that, that moment that, you know, quote, unquote, bad day, may be one of, you know, the most important seeds that are planted for your child, in yeah, how exactly. you managed it. So I just, I just try my best. I mean, it is far from perfect, our home. <laughs> It's well, nobody says, perfect. but you, you sound like you've really got a lot of wisdom going on in your household. Oh, thank you. I know. I really, I just try my best to really connect, create connection within the home. And I tell yeah. myself that that just that connection, you know, it surpasses any experiences or whatever is to come as they get older, because one day I'll, they'll be teenagers and I'll look back at these moments and be like, that was peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Carla, do you, do you ever work with parents or if anybody hears this and wants to reach out to you, do you have any way to reach you? Or are you open to that or? Yeah, I have like, well, I'm open to anyone uh, direct messaging me through, um, through my uh, Instagram. So my Instagram is uh, love, L-O-V-E underscore naturally and A-T. Okay. U-R-A-L-L-Y 13. 
Okay, wonderful. Because I'm sure there's going to be people listening that'll want to contact you. Oh, yes, thank you. It'll be my <laughs> pleasure. I, I just, I find that it, especially now where we're at, that yeah. there's all these little souls incarnating with just such beautiful gifts, you know, yes, whatever exactly. it is, just all these sensitivities. And yes. I just, for me, this is what's going to propel the world into uh, a new direction. Yes. And so if we can really go in with just acceptance and love and respect of, of the way that they see the world and the way they experience it, then I think that's probably the main thing that uh, will help us just take a really great direction. I totally agree. Well, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you and, um, you know, maybe we'll have you on, on again for some other topics in and around this because I feel like we only scratched the surface today. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. You have a wonderful day. And um, for anyone uh, listening, you have her Instagram. And uh, if if you missed it and you want to see, hear the show again, you can download this at Anchor FM, The River Rain Show. And uh, thank you again, Carla Belil. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. <laughs> All right. You have a wonderful day. You too. Bye-bye. Good to be here. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, oh, hi, everybody. Oh, this is Diana Crow. Hi, everybody. Oh, Diana's going to sing everybody's song with everybody. Come on in, everybody. Come on, come on. Everybody, everybody say hello to Diana. Hello, everyone. Now, is everybody here? No, I am not here. Well, I am everybody, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, now Pardon everyone me. believes that Excuse everybody me. is here. Oh, sorry. Okay, let's sing everybody's song. Oh, you're everybody too, so you sing too. Hit it, Diana. Okay. Wow, you're good at this. <laughs> Do you hear that beat? Yeah. Makes you leave your seat. Mm. Makes you move your feet. Yeah. That's everybody's song. Everybody's song. Makes your fingers snap. Snap, snap, snap. And your hands can clap. Clap, clap, clap. And your feet can tap. Yeah. Come on and join along. Come on and join along. And your voice can hum. And your hearts can drum. Wherever you come from, you just can't go wrong. With this pretty ditty, want to cheer. Want to cheer. I get an itchy ear. Get an itchy ear. Every time I hear. Everybody's song. 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 Ever
Sesame Street. What makes you feel better than Sesame Street, right? So I really hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. And um, as she mentioned, you can reach her on her Instagram at love underscore naturally 13. So um, I wanted to bring you a little bit more on this topic of, you know, empath, indigo kids, crystal kids, rainbow kids. Um, a lot of times we, you hear stuff that makes it sound like there's, you know, indigo kids only started, you know, in the 70s or 80s, and uh, crystal in the 90s, and blah, blah, blah. And, but you know what? Some of these traits might fit people who, even though there were less of us, perhaps, who identified it, came out, uh, developed ourselves, um... I believe that there's many people in other generations that could still fit these, some of these descriptions. It's just that we are in a time when we are open and accept these definitions. So stick with us on this show if you want to hear the definition more of an empath, indigo child, crystal people, and rainbow children. So, um, I'm just going to read some of these definitions from Empathic Perspectives on WordPress.com. So, if you want to go to that article, it's much more in detail than I'm going to read here on air. Um, And I think it's worth going to it if you feel that it fits you because it really breaks down with a lot of example what these things actually mean. I'm just looking here for the author of this blog. Um, Okay, there we are. It was written in 2009 by Misuchi Sakurai. Sakurai. Hope I said that right. All right, so here we go. Empath is a word that's thrown around a lot. And as like everything else in society, it also gets backlash. Um, If you identify as an empath, this definition from this blog says, an empath is a person who has acute or highly developed sense of empathy. Empathy is the capability to share your feelings and understand another's emotion and feelings. And it's often characterized by the ability to put yourself in another's shoes. Another definition for an empath is a person who can feel the emotions of other animate or living entities, human, plant, or animal. Some include inanimate objects as well under this word. So this is a common one that doesn't have a generation to it. You know, people um, are often just seem to be empathic from a young age or they don't um, 
turn it off or they didn't have it sort of manipulated or bullied or brainwashed out of them <laughs> like in some generations they might have or uh, with a toxic you know toxic family environments it it can go um, underground and the person doesn't feel that it's okay to express and it can turn into even I believe if somebody's a strong enough empath and they're in the wrong environment it could even turn towards mental health um, problems the other thing that is coming up a lot lately about empaths like I said the backlash the dark side uh, type of articles coming out now and that is that um, it's also people that have really hard time or very poor boundaries it's sort of you know one in the same thing if you're able to go beyond the boundary of yourself your ego your experience of life to the extent that you can feel another person's feelings um, put yourself literally in their shoes and feel what that must be like then um, you know it is it can be a gift and a curse if you don't know how to manage your boundaries if you uh, and it takes it takes a long time I think for for any of us to learn how to do both you you might flip-flop from being wide open and feeling everything and everybody's everythingness and being a bit of a mess you know and not knowing quite what to do with it then you might go through other periods where you don't want to feel other people's stuff and you shut it off but then you won't feel comfortable either because you're numb and um, you're not really being yourself so the path is really to learn um, and it's very personal to learn to discern um, and to basically start to develop this the ability to tap in and feel from another's point of view without fully taking it on so much that it starts to blur your own um, energy field your own sense of your body your own sense of your space your own sense of who you are you know imagine that it's sort of like it's a rainy day and you can see it through the window that it's raining and you can feel what it's like outside because of the rain you know you know it's gonna be wet you might know it's gonna be cold you might um, know that it's gonna be slippery you might feel that the fogginess in the air you can observe that and know viscerally how that feels through the window you can also open the window just a crack and stick your fingers out and feel it you don't have to go out in, in it and come home uh, be completely drenched to prove that you feel what's going on so it's it's similar with other people's stuff other people's emotions and physical states and anything that you could that you uh, perceive with your feeling it's trickier with people but um, it's a skill it's a gift it's something we all want from others too is a sense of empathy and you know it's it's a more rare thing that people are empathic but now it seems we're talking about it more so it's allowing more people to 
to come out with it and to start to do the journey of understanding the boundaries of it. So, um, let's come back after some music and we'll talk about indigo, crystal, and rainbow children. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. The ladybugs came to the ladybugs picnic. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. And they all played games at the ladybugs picnic. They had twelve sacks, so they ran sack races, and they fell on the backs, and they fell on the faces. The ladybugs twelve at the ladybugs picnic. They played jump rope, but the rope it broke, so they just sat around telling knock-knock jokes. The ladybugs twelve at the ladybugs picnic. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and they chatted away at the ladybugs picnic. They talked about the high price of furniture and rugs and fire insurance for ladybugs. Ladybugs twelve at the ladybugs picnic. Twelve. So that's a fun little tune. Sesame Street again, the Ladybugs Picnic. So let's talk briefly now about what is an indigo child. <clears throat> so an indigo child is referring to a powerful, intelligent, independent child named for his or her supposedly indigo aura who will improve the spiritual quality of the world. Their frequency has recently increased drastically to possibly over 95%, with the first being born in the 1970s or 80s. So, I'm going to scroll down and read a little bit more about indigos, because I don't think that that's really quite clear what the traits are. So, what are the traits of an indigo? There's a bunch of them, so see if this fits you or someone you know. First one, you feel abandoned, lost, and alone. You might have felt like, or still feel like you were dumped off on this planet, left to your own accord with nothing, no one, nothing to grasp for or hold on to. You feel like no one gets you or understands who you are. Some people feel abandoned by God or your parents or society. Some feel abandoned and alone. Um might be a challenging fear. Some feel like a freak and they're tired of people treating you like a freak. They're very intelligent, although they might not have top grades in school. They're tuned in and they get it and they're not sure why others don't. <laughs> they're highly creative in the arts, music or literature. They always need to know why especially why they are being asked to do something. They had um, disgust or maybe loathing for much of the required and repetitious work in school. Have difficult time with people who don't have integrity or who are dishonest. They feel overly responsible, heavily burdened by society's perceived lack of care and concern with the well-being of the world. And they might have experienced deep depression, helplessness, or loneliness. And that might have ranged from sadness to utter despair. Suicidal feelings while in high school or younger are not uncommon with indigo as well. 
Drug and alcohol abuse is not uncommon to numb the internal emotional spiritual pain. Easily disorganized, lots of clutter, not able to handle it due to lack of focus. There's a bunch more, so I encourage you to go to this website, empathicperspectives.wordpress.com, because uh, there's, there's like a good long set of traits that you might also relate to. So, as I said, I think indigos, this is saying the earliest ones in the 70s and 80s, I'm born in the 60s. I can definitely say that there's people I know that would that would relate to the indigo who were born in the 60s. And I'm going to venture to say that there's probably people that we could find born earlier who might say they relate to this. But I do think that it's increasing. Um, just by way of, of the patterns and the, the themes in people who have come to me over the years, um, People born in the 70s are going to be um, in their 40s now. People born in the 80s are going to be, you know, in their 30s. Well, they'll have just turned 40 if they're born in 1980. Um, so definitely there are, there are different themes that come up and personalities with those generations, more so than previous. Yeah. Let's go on now to crystal people. This one's a little newer for me, and yet I quite relate to it. So here we go. Crystal people instinctively channel healing energy. Their crystal nature enables them to pick up energy, aura, colors from people around them. They are acutely sensitive, and they're even more likely to become healers and light workers than indigos. But they need space to themselves, and they need a lot of care. Now, that one completely fits me and a lot of people that I know who do healing work. So I'm going to scroll on down again and read you more traits of crystal children to see if it fits you as well. Crystal children are extremely sensitive to everything in their environment. Sounds, colors, negative emotions and others, smells, food, chemicals, pollutants, the feel of clothing violence, pain in others, group consciousness, electromagnetic frequencies, and solar flares. Oh yeah. So sensitive that they're deeply vulnerable, as well as very powerful because of their intense vulnerability. They must have alone time. They don't live well in groups, as few others understand their need for solitude, balance, rejuvenation, and deep quiet. They must have daily communion with nature and elements. The spirit of nature will also help them balance and clear all their disharmonious energies that affect them so strongly. They just plain do not understand man's inhumanity to man, war, greed, etc., and thus can easily feel totally overwhelmed by it all. If life should become too intense, or if they're traumatized or see and feel others being traumatized, they'll withdraw and disconnect from society in order to protect themselves. Interesting. That's probably more heightened now during a pandemic. Despite being quiet and self-effacing, others admire and are drawn to them like a magnet. 
They'll have deep, lasting connections with people who offer the unconditional love that a crystal knows how to, how to give. When a crystal looks at you, you feel as if they've penetrated your very soul. They really need very little traditional parenting, as they're gentle, wise, and will be able to tell you what they need, as well as what's good or not good for them. Interesting. They will avoid crowds or malls. There are too many different energies to cope with. They have a deep love for children and animals and a remarkable way of connecting with them. Water is very beneficial for them, clearing and soothing them. They love baths, showers, waterfalls, fountains, playing in the water or sand. Well, I completely relate to that. I'm going to say that I'm a crystal child based on these descriptions. And finally, let's take a look at the rainbow children. All right. So rainbow children can use their strong will and unlimited energy to build the new world. A rainbow child is the next wave of children after the crystal and adult indigo children here to assist with the next stage of ascension. Rainbow children, unlike the child indigo and crystal children, have never been on earth before. Ah, I didn't know that. Okay. Let's scroll down and see some of the rainbow kids. Um, for those of you who aren't aware, there is a, hmm, would you call it a prophecy? I think it's perhaps the prophecy. It speaks of it here is the rainbow warriors. And this is, um, I've heard of the rainbow warriors and the prediction of the rainbow uh, warriors probably for the last 20 years. So it, it, I'm sure it predates that. But that's how long I've been aware of it. So let me just describe the Rainbow Warrior to you here based on this site. So sometime in the future, the Native Americans said the animals would begin to disappear. People would no longer see the wolf or the bear or the eagles. And the story goes the giant trees would also disappear. And people would fight with each other and not love each other. And the story goes... The beautiful rainbow in the sky would fade away and people would not see the rainbows anymore. Then, well, the children would come and these children would love the animals and they would bring back the animals. They would love trees and they would bring back the giant trees. And these children would love other people and they would help people live in peace with each other. And these children would love the rainbow and they would bring back the beautiful rainbow in the sky. For this reason, the Native Americans called these children the Rainbow Warriors. Now let me ask you a question. Do you love animals or hate animals? Well, we love animals. Do you love or hate the trees? Well, we love the trees. Do you love or hate people? We love people. Do you love the rainbow or hate the rainbow? We love the rainbow. Well, if you love animals, trees, people, and rainbows, then maybe you're the rainbow warrior. And that is a statue of you. Warriors of the rainbow. There was an old lady from the Cree tribe named Eyes of Fire who prophesied that one day, because of the white man's or um, 
Yonegi's greed. There would come a time when the fish would die in the streams, the birds would fall from the air, the waters would be blackened, and the trees would no longer be. Mankind as we know it would all but cease to exist. There would come a time when the keepers of the legend, stories, culture, and rituals, and myths, and all the ancient tribal customs would need to be to restore us to health. They would be mankind's key to survival, and they were the warriors of the rainbow. There would come a day of awakening when all people of all tribes would form a new world of justice, peace, freedom, and the recognition of the Great Spirit. The warriors of the rainbow would spread these messages and teach all peoples of the earth. They would teach them how to live the way of the Great Spirit. They would tell them how the world today has turned away from the Great Spirit and that is, that is why the earth is sick. The warriors of the rainbow would show the people that this ancient being, the Great Spirit, is full of love and understanding and teach them to make the earth beautiful again. And these warriors would give the people principles to rule and follow to make the path right in the world. These principles would be those of ancient tribes. The warriors of the rainbow would teach the people of ancient practices of love and unity and understanding. They would teach of harmony among people of all corners of the earth. So once again, if you want to read more about the Rainbow Warriors, you can go to that site or you can research it. Um, it was also my understanding that part of the Rainbow Warrior um, prophecy is that these people would be from any color of the rainbow themselves, that um, the people who would restore the this way of life to the earth um, wouldn't necessarily be First Nations. They could be from any nation. So it's interesting then that some people do very, very strongly feel they have come to earth this time to heal the earth. And I, we definitely see this in somebody like Greta Thunberg, um, maybe Malala Yousaf. Kids, you know, they're, they're so young when they started to fight for the world, fight for the earth, fight for rights. That's, that's just above and beyond any, anything you saw um, in other, other decades, very, very rare. And I think, I feel like we're seeing more and more kids that are very inclined towards awareness and saving the planet more than ever before. So maybe you relate, maybe you've been a rainbow a lot longer. I don't think these things necessarily have, have a due date on them. I just think that our awareness and willingness to talk about it as if it isn't crazy is allowing us to start defining and discerning different things, just as we're doing with uh, gender roles. We're having conversations now and, and having shades of gray in things that never were before. So if you relate to any of this tonight, or you think your kids do, or your friends, 
you might want to point them in the direction of the show or of this website. So it's Empathic Perspectives is the name of the article, an exploration of the empathic mind on wordpress.com. So the next part of the show, um, before we wrap up, I wanted to just juxtapose something that I found quite interesting. I just have a couple of clips that I wanted to play from popular movies, um, one back in my day, so what we would have seen growing up in the 60s and 70s, and one that is very popular within the last few years. And I just wanted to play each, um, the both Disney, but I wanted to play each clip because you can see how dramatically different the consciousness is of the character and how they interact with the world and their sense of power in the world. It has completely shifted. So let's play those two and then I'll come back and we'll discuss them a little bit. <laughs> All alone, my pet? Why, why yes, I am, but... The... The little men are not here? No, they're not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Naked pies. Yes, gooseberry pies. It's apple pies that make the men folks' mouths water. Pies made from apples, like these. <laughs> Oh, they do look delicious. Yes, but wait till you taste one, dearie. <laughs> like to try one? Come on. Come on, have a bite. so good to poor old granny. I'll share a secret with you. This is no ordinary apple. It's a magic wishing apple. A wishing apple? Yes. One bite and all your dreams will come true. Really? Yes, girly. Now, make a wish. something your little heart desires. Perhaps there's someone you love. Well, there is someone. I thought so. I thought so. <laughs> Old Granny knows a young girl's heart. Now take the apple, dearie. 
and make a wish. I wish. I wish. That's it. Go on. Go on. And that he will carry me away to his castle, where we will live happily ever after. Fine, fine. Now take a bite. Don't let the wish grow cold. Strange. Ah, breath. We're still. Blood congeal. So notice, that's Snow White, when the evil queen gives Snow White the poison apple. Notice how, you know, Snow White was this iconic story when we grew up for generations. And you notice how she's very naive. And the queen is clearly, uh, the evil queen is clearly presenting herself in a predatory manner. And Snow White doesn't have any intuition about her at all. There's not even a question about taking the apple. Doesn't even have a thought cross her mind or a, a look on her face that says, oh, I don't know about this person. And so she's duped by, by this evil and poisoned and sent, put into a sleep. So it's interesting in, in the way that we grew up with that idea that you know, here's this beautiful princess that we're supposed to emulate, right, as little girls. And she has all these friends that try to protect her, but don't have much power really to protect her against this evil queen. And she doesn't have any skills to protect herself either, and she just is completely fooled. So you're, it's like you're beautiful, but you're helpless. You know, your friends uh, will love you, but evil can still get you. So those are very important things to understand about a lot of the fairy tales we grew up on and the movies we grew up on because it colors the generation of how you look at men and women, how you look at good and evil, how you look at your sense of empowerment or not. So let's listen to our next one, which is a, a clip from Disney's Frozen from 2013. Just hang in there. Come on, buddy, faster! Oh, boy! Whoa! I mean, you guys at the castle! Stay out of sight, Olaf! I will! Hello! about me you had us worried. my lady get her warm and find prince hans immediately we will thank you make sure she's safe
I'm going back out to look for Princess Anna. You cannot risk going out there again. If anything happens to her... If anything happens to the princess, you are all Arendelle has left. He's in here. Prince Hans. Anna! Oh, you're so cold. Hans, you have to kiss me. What? Now! Oh, now! Slow down! We'll give you two we some go. privacy. <laughs> what happened out there? Elsa struck me with her powers. You said she'd never hurt you. I was wrong. Oh. Anna! She froze my heart, and only an act of true love can save me. A true love's kiss. If only there was someone out there who loved you. What? Y you said you did. As 13th in line in my own kingdom, I didn't stand a chance. I knew I'd have to marry into the throne somewhere. What, what are you talking about? As heir, Elsa was preferable, of course, but no one was getting anywhere with her. But you, Hans. you were so desperate for love, you were willing to marry me just like that. I figured after we'd married, I'd have to stage a little accident for Elsa. Hans, oh, no, stop. But then she doomed herself, and you were dumb enough to go after her. Please. <laughs> All that's left now is to kill Elsa and bring back Summer. You're no match for Elsa. No, you're no match for Elsa. I, on the other hand, am the hero who is going to save Arendelle from destruction. You won't get away with this. Oh, I already have. <laughs> So in this case, with Frozen, now we have um, a little more mature version of a woman, of a young woman. We have maybe, um, maybe she's an indigo, maybe, we're not sure. But what we do know is that Elsa is now dealing with um, a lover, a friend who loves her who carries her when she's injured to her castle. And then she's met by the man who she believes is in love with her, but he actually um, plays a trick on her and uh, leaves her perhaps to die in the cold. Now, we're still dealing with good and evil themes. We're still dealing with um, betrayal and deception themes, as we often do in fairy tales. But in this case, Elsa says, stands up for herself. She's conscious. She recognizes in the moment, hey, what the hell? This isn't right. This guy is, you know, my love has just betrayed me and she calls it out. Um, she still doesn't feel well enough to be able to fight back in that moment, stand up for herself, leave the room, call whatever helpers. Maybe it's probably in another part of the movie that we didn't listen to here. But in this particular scene, you know, the moment where they're the moment where they are duped or betrayed is completely different. Snow White 
just falls hook, line, and sinker naively for it. Um, Elsa spots it and calls it out. That is huge, huge, huge difference in how we're raising people, uh, little girls, little indigos, little crystal children to be aware and assertive. So it's, it's really big progress when you think about it that way, isn't it? So I wanted to leave you off with a couple more fun things that are just um, clips from, really great clips from Sesame Street. One is about empathy with Mark Ruffalo. One is about conflict with Robin Williams. And then I'll leave you off with uh, a nice song. Um, I hope you enjoy this show. I really did. And I'd like to do more work with kids and with parents and uh, help this next generation understand and feel welcomed and uh, learn how to, how to work with their gifts so that we have more and more Elsas, more and more intuitive and assertive Elsas in the world. All right, stay tuned for the rest. Hello, I'm Robin, and this is the Two-Headed Monster. Hello! And we're here to tell you all about the word conflict. Conflict! Right, conflict. You guys ready to show conflict? Ready! Okay, here we go. The two-headed monster showing us conflict. I'm not sure you understand. We need to show everyone conflict. Conflict! Right, but I'm afraid that wasn't conflict. No, no conflict. conflict. No, you see, a conflict is when two people fight or disagree about something, and they, they, they have a conflict. Oh, conflict! Yeah, 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 conflict! Oh, okay, great. Conflict. We're ready to try again? Okay, here we go. The two-headed monster is now going to show us conflict. Take two. <clears throat> One of them has a flower he says is his. That's a promising start. Looks like the other one wants the same flower. This could be some conflict. Vegetable liquor ball. Share. Oh, oh they're sharing. Stop, stop, stop. Look, that was very nice. That was lovely, actually. You were sharing, and that warms the cockles of my heart. But listen, my fuzzy two-headed friend, that was not conflict. No conflict. No conflict. I'm just sorry it wasn't. No conflict. Wait. I just realized something. What? We disagree. We're arguing about something. So? We're having a conflict. Conflict? Conflict. Hello, I'm Mark. And I'm Murray. And we're here to tell you about the word empathy. Empathy, yes! Empathy! Tell them about the word empathy. Um, uh, oh. What's wrong? Uh, well, uh, uh, you're not gonna believe this, Mark. What? But I can't remember what empathy means. No, that's okay, that's okay. I'll tell them what empathy means. Oh, boy! <laughs> this is so exciting! Mark Ruffalo is gonna tell us about empathy! Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy! <laughs> Can I do it? Go, go, please, go for it, Mark. <laughs> All right. 
Empathy is when you're able to understand and care about how someone else is feeling. Oh, right. That's what empathy is. Yes, yes. I don't get it. What? Hmm. Sorry. Okay, okay, let, let me see if I can explain it to you in some way. Okay, I'm gonna listen. Let's say I'm walking along and oh, oh, oh what? I stubbed my toe. Oh, oh that hurts. Oh, you poor oh, thing. Murray, oh, Murray. That hurts. I it can hurts imagine so exactly how you feel. That's Ouch. it. Oh, why, why, what's it? That's it, that's empathy. What's empathy? You, you could imagine exactly how I feel. You could understand just how it felt. That's empathy. I still don't get it. What? I still don't get it. Okay, okay. Let's think of another way. Okay, let's think of another way. Um, Thinking. Oh, Murray. What? Did I tell you about that time when I, when I lost my favorite teddy bear? Oh, no. It was... <gasps> this is very sad. Did you love that teddy bear? I love that teddy bear. Oh, I can imagine exactly how you feel. It's really sad feeling. It, it makes me want to cry like this. <laughs> It was sad. It was so sad. But you know what? What? You know what empathy is. I do? That was empathy. What? You could understand how I was feeling, exactly how I was feeling, and understood it. That's empathy. I get it now. Yes! Yes, I get it! Yes! I understand yes. empathy! You understand empathy, I'm Murray. I'm so happy right now! I'm it happy makes me too. I can imagine exactly how you feel. Well, I want to dance the dance of happiness too. Then what are we waiting for? Let's, Let's do it! Somewhere to begin 